Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Lifelong Learner with Matt and Janesh. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Lifelong Learner. So today we have Joel Crenshaw with us today. Thank you for joining us, mate. Oh, you're welcome. Nice to be here. Yeah. And uh, so Joel, Joel and I know each other through um, a business club that we're a part of together. And I asked Joel, Joel does a lot of things. And um, the last few guests that I've tried to rattle off everything, I've always missed something. So I'm going to hand it straight to you. And um, tell me, tell me kind of, tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me kind of what you're currently up to. Yeah, okay. So I'm, um, I'm a lawyer, actually, by, by trade or profession. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was always a bit reluctant, I think, to be a lawyer. I did an arts degree and never thought I'd really use my law degree, but um, ended up getting there sort of through a circuitous route uh, and starting uh, my own business in the UK in 2006 with, yeah. with a couple of other people. And that, um, that business was really about um, taking what we did as in-house lawyers. So we'd worked for large organisations, um, for our careers and we wanted to the one thing we missed about being in private practice was the variety mm. um, that was about the only thing we missed we didn't like timesheets didn't like anything else didn't like the way we had to give advice in a sort of stiff and formal way um, so we we just set up this business boldly me and uh, 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 my boss actually at the time mm-hmm. uh, that was really to bring that in-house counsel lawyering to smaller businesses and mm-hmm. um, we were very lucky to have a sort of inbuilt client list already so we, we had a very soft landing we were very bad at business um, and eventually I went did that for five years and it was it was pretty successful but we we eventually I had some young kids and we decided to move back to the side of the world so they'd be closer to their grandparents uh, and that um, and then by then I was unemployable really so I decided to start again boldly in Australia and that was so how long ago did you move back to Australia uh, moved two, to Australia. 2011, and for the first uh, year, really, I yeah. just continued to work for the business in the UK. So mm, I was doing mm-hmm. some strange hours, and but, yeah. but the tyranny of distance eventually kills that yeah, because it's about relationships, right? So yeah. you've got to be, as an in-house lawyer, you've got to be in the in front of your clients. Yeah. And so I, I slowly moved away from that and started mm-hmm. getting clients in Australia and yep. eventually incorporated the first business here in 2000, March 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh and have been doing that ever since. But about three years ago, I sort of changed a bit. I met, uh, I had a lawyer that had been worked, worked for me from the start, who I brought on to be a, um, a partner in the business. I entered into a partnership in a legal tech business, and uh, I met a guy doing R&D. We were referring him a lot of work, R&D tax incentives. Mm-hmm. doesn't sound very sexy, but... Um, <laughs> and he, he wanted to come on board. He didn't want to start his own business by himself. He wanted to be part of one so we went into a joint venture there so I've become a, a serial joint venturer yeah not, not a serial entrepreneur so a serial joint venturer which yep. is a bit different right? yeah nice <laughs> yeah. and uh what do they do they all sound like they all kind of fell into play is that or yeah, were you yeah. looking that, well or? That's, that's my life really Janice yeah. it's sort of like I, I, I there's no real plan mm. I, I buggered off over to the UK over <laughs> the backpack and and just saw what happened and yep. ended up but luckily enough ending up getting some interesting jobs and I think when you leave yourself open to those things they happen mm. yeah right? and, and that's how I ended up back in the law 
Yep. Um, because the bits of the law that I ended up doing were quite interesting and mm. and and weird. I was a fraud mm-hmm. investigator yep. for Ernst & Young very early in my career. Yeah, nice. Um, which was exciting. Yeah. Uh, and then and that got me interested. And then I I never really found that again until the start mm. of my business again. So I I then navigated the law trying to trying to make sense of where I would fit into it. Yeah. Um, and it was just sort of always on top of something else. So it was, mm-hmm. an exp- you know, my experience is kind of, uh, I suppose it was always a, an aspect of, of something I'd already done. Mm-hmm. I would sort of branch off in that direction. And then, yeah. So it's kind of a, it's a bit like a river. It just yeah. sort of meandered. Yeah. And, uh, and then opportunities arise. Yeah. Out of that. yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice. So I want to go back to, I'm curious to know about that fraud investigation. Yeah. Um, that time, as much as you can say, what was the most interesting obscure thing that you had to kind of um, deal with within that? Oh, look, the whole the whole thing was like, was bizarre. I thought I was sort of a, a spy movie, I think. I was <laughs> living in a shared flat in London with Australians and, and Kiwis and I think the odd South African. Yeah. Um, I, I remember very vividly one day when I'd first started working for them. Mm-hmm. Some, we're doing some exciting stuff. There was a big fraud back then. So I was working there in about 98 and we okay. were in the end of... Uh, they built their fraud investigation practice on the back of a Bearings Bank fraud mm-hmm. with Nick Leeson, which they made a, a movie about eventually. Yeah. Um, and I remember my first day there, or second day, they said, oh, have you got anything to do? And of course, I had nothing to do because I'd just arrived. And yep. they said, oh, would you mind taking these interviews with Nick Leeson mm-hmm. over to Slaughter and May yep. um, in a black cab? Yep. And I said, well, I wouldn't mind at all. You're paying me, right? Yeah, sure. Why <laughs> so not? I, yeah. I found myself in this cab in London. Yeah. Uh, with these transcripts, and I was sort of flicking through them, seeing if I could find anything interesting. Of course, there was, they were, they were very dull. Yeah. But, um, I sort of felt like I'd arrived. I'm like, mm. oh, I'm in a, I'm in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so that was very cool. And then you know things like leaving the flat. Um, we had slugs in our shower. We had a slug mm. infestation in our shower, uh, and I'd get a, a cab would turn up to take me to Heathrow, and I'd get in a business class flight. Yeah. And end up in Switzerland. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in a in a in a hotel room that was almost as large as our flat, and we had about eight people living there, right? Yeah. Um, and and that, that was the main investigation I was involved in at yep. the time I was there, and it was a, it was a, into a Swiss bank. Um, it had been defrauded, and we were doing a foreign exchange mm-hmm. um, fraud. Yeah. And, uh, you know, things, I got driven into a car lift and taken down a few stories in, in Switzerland to look at some documents mm-hmm. that were being kept with the Nazi gold documents because yeah. the Nazi gold investigation was going on at the same time. Yeah, wow. So I was rubbing shoulders with some pretty yeah. intriguing stuff, and that's yep. what got me sort of sparked. I was like, oh, this law thing might not be so bad. Like, well, you know. <laughs> it could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I wanted to touch on, so is it Clearpoint Legal that is B, B Corp certified, or is it Clearpoint Enterprises B Corp well, certified? We, uh, we, we were, so okay. we're actually not anymore. Okay. We, we were the first... Well, it was called Clearpoint Council. So yes. Clearpoint Enterprises is the sort of the umbrella, umbrella group. Yep. And it was the law firm. Yeah. Uh, now Clearpoint Legal is the law firm. Gotcha. We transferred the business yep. to it. And and um, at about the time of that transfer, mm-hmm. we, we asked the asked the team about yep. whether they wanted to continue being a B Corp. And we have very, we have, we're very, I mean, we most of us are very committed to mm-hmm. um, corporate responsibility, yeah, if you like. Yeah. We like to do, we like to be carbon neutral, we still are. We like to do yep. volunteering. What we found, though, with with the B Corp was that we had to we had to. There was a lot of work involved for a small mm. business, and you know it took a lot of energy yeah. away from us actually developing our yeah. own business. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, we tended to attract, um, 
not necessarily B Corp, but social enterprise type businesses mm. who for some reason thought that that because they were doing, you know, even though they were a for profit for purpose business, yeah. they could they, get your services for free. Yeah, they didn't want to pay for our fees. Yeah, wow. And so we found that our, our, our <laughs> accounts receivable was yeah. stacked with these old debts from yeah, wow. from these businesses, you know, doing things good for the world. And so they thought that that, that gave them license to not pay us. Yeah, wow. Um, and so we just went, well, actually, we don't really, really want it. to attract these mm. people by having, which was unfortunate because, yeah. I, you know, I really liked the whole movement and yeah. I was quite intrigued but I didn't think it was run very well in Australia at the start yeah. because so what was the initial push to what was your like rationale or thought process to go you know what I want um, this business to be um, B Corp certified well I remember we had a I was working out of um, hub when I came mm-hmm. back, I was working at a hub Melbourne, which was, at those days, it was a one room in a, mm-hmm. in a donkey wheel house, which was like a co-working space. And yep. I was the only lawyer there. Everyone yep. else was saving the world or <laughs> or doing other things. So it was really, you know, it was hard for me to have a conversation without people's faces dropping, you know. Yep. What do you do? Well, I'm a commercial lawyer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we had, I had an early, a client there um, called Hitnet Innovations. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Julie wouldn't mind me talking about her, um, who... Um, had heard about this B Corp thing. Mm. We were there, the, an organisation called Small Giants had mm-hmm. brought it into Australia. They were doing a presentation. I went and listened to it. Yeah, I was, you know, I am a cynical old lawyer, mm-hmm. really. So mm-hmm. I was sort of, well, why do we need a fair trade, American-based mm-hmm. fair trade mm-hmm. label for doing? Why don't you just go and do good stuff yep. rather than yeah. <laughs> rather than having this stuff? And so I was, you know, cynical and walked away. But she yeah. pestered me about it. Actually, she was like, well, no, we really want to do this. And yeah. I was like, well, I, c- I can look into it for yep. you and. In those days, and they're doing it again now, but in those days, you, you um, it was all based in the American system. Mm-hmm. So you got points based on their system, so it wasn't really Australian-centric, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. had to change your um, what the Americans call your formative company documents mm-hmm. and enshrine your purpose in them. And so we could do a bit of legal work yeah, doing, that. doing that. Yeah, um, And by doing that work, I realised that the, the process was actually quite good. I mean, yeah. I, I always used to bang on, because it came from big organisations yeah. right, with policies and procedures yep. and everything. I used to bang on to small businesses about well, you really should have some some sort of documentation. Things. Yeah. It doesn't have to be as extensive as big businesses, yep. but you should start to do that stuff. And yeah, and they all went, yeah, yeah, whatever. And yep. I've got other more important things to do, which is totally understandable. Yeah. Right? Um, but through the B Corp process, because mm-hmm. they got points for having these things, they had yep. to have evidence of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They were all suddenly doing all this stuff, and so I was like, well, this is actually quite good. Yep. You know, not only is it good for you know the planet, yeah, and yep. it's good for people. Yeah. Um, it's it's also good for the business because yeah. it gives them that structure. So mm-hmm. so I, I I sort of turned around and yep. lost my cynicism and and then and then when my I put it to my employees at mm-hmm. the time and we had a couple of evangelical people who really mm-hmm. wanted to take it forward. So yeah, we, nice. we did it and we were the first law firm in Australasia to yeah. become a big um, Unfortunately, we're not one anymore. But <laughs> it was the first one though. Yeah. Um, I saw that. And that's mm. why do you think? Uh, why do you think you were the first? Um, because we were small enough and lean enough to do it fast. There was yeah. another, there was, um, oh, what's their name? There's another law firm, bigger law firm mm-hmm. that, were, that was also going down that path. Yep. But because they were a larger organisation, yeah. um, we managed to certify a lot more quickly than that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether we started before them or not. I used yep. to tease them at meetings. <laughs> and they didn't have, and we got there they first. didn't really have a sense of humour about it either. Yeah, I was like, I was like we, you know, good, good that you were second. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and talk to me about so you when you first were at Hub, you yeah. were like, oh, I think we talked about this offline a couple of times. Where you go, you know what? I don't see you didn't see yourself as a startup lawyer, mm. right? And you're like, yeah. nah, but because and again, 
Um, not nothing against startups. Like mm. I know a lot of friends that are in startups and mm. um, like business colleagues that are in startups. That it's hard to go. It's, it's risky to go in to provide a professional service room because like are they going to pay you? Right. Yeah. Um, so what made what was the switch of your kind of your business model um, for that? Yeah. Well, the startup stuff was interesting because I you know I did I did used to tell them to go away. Yeah. Um, Mainly because the, the startup community in Australia is actually actually quite um, underfunded, mm, I think. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, coming from the UK, we had startups, but they were like, you know, tech startups funded out of the Middle East and stuff. Yeah. Right? So they had heaps it's a lot of more cash. money there, yeah. yeah. Um, so they could justify paying for lawyers mm-hmm. services. Whereas you've got uh, the majority of the startups that we came across in Australia were self funded or. Self funded or. or Seed funded by family yeah. and friends, and then there's you know there's wealthy families that put a bit of money in, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a real it, there's not the same amount of money around mm-hmm. for that sort of thing, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and also government policy when I first arrived wasn't really that supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's sort of made incremental steps in that yep. direction. Uh, so I used to say go away, and then they sort of chipped away at me, yeah, um, because I was in that environment at the hub where there's a lot of startups, yeah, and, you know, and, and for me it's uh, the work's really enjoyable, right, mm. because it's always innovative, interesting mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. They need a lot of help. Yep. It's not usually that sophisticated. Yeah, like you know, you're a large organisation. You've yep. got lots of people who have knowledge of how those things work, mm-hmm. and you're dealing with the professionals that have been there for years. Yeah, uh, and also start up starting up the the legal um, framework around starting a business is quite different to the you know steady as she goes stuff mm-hmm. that you do in, in a large organisation. Yeah. So so it's it's, it's fast moving. It's interesting, yeah. but yeah, you've got to have enough money to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so getting that model right was what yep. sort of led us to. To tinkering away for a long time about how do we do, how do we provide these startups with the advice they need without charging them heaps, but not us losing money. Mm. Uh, and <coughs> initially, we, well, for a long time, I sort, of, I sort of decided I wanted to move away from it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had an, actually an interview with um, Startup Smart, which was a magazine. Yeah. This guy called Oliver Millman, I think, who think I think is now at the um, at the Guardian. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and he interviewed me, and I and, and, and I told him why start why why lawyers were failing startups because yeah. my experience was yeah. you know I was telling him to go away, and I was yeah. like oh, other lawyers it's too expensive for these yeah. guys, and we can't get good advice, and mm-hmm. that became the uh, a very high um, Google search article, and yeah, so well. when you looked up startup lawyer UK Melbourne, up. I was top of the bloody search <laughs> thing, inadvertently. So I'd done this amazing marketing that I didn't want to do. Really. Yeah. Um, uh, other than we like got enjoyment out of it, yep. and so. So that's it's always been like you know the larger organisations, larger businesses sometimes mm-hmm. aren't uh, as interesting. It's sort of steady as you mm-hmm. goes. You're, you're maintaining the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, although in saying that, you know, like a lot of my lawyers tell me that that's not that's just my perception of it. They yeah. actually really enjoy working for these large organisations because yeah. they get such a variety of legal work mm-hmm. uh, and they learn a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'd already been there, so yeah, I you've already done that. that, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm more interested in the startups because I like the products. That, yeah. you know, I like the innovation, and, and that's where the R and D stuff comes mm-hmm. into it too, right? So that's why I was referring so many. Yeah, uh, it goes hand in hand to, to Pavel in the R and D stuff was because yep. uh, I was like, wait, did you know you can get money back from the government yeah. if you, you know, if you did this? This is amazing. <laughs> you know, who gets money back from the ATO? I know. No one. Yeah. Well, usually they're asking asking yeah. the money, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you get, might get a small tax refund if you're a, if you're employed salary and you yeah, pay too much tax, <laughs> but but these are large amounts of money that they'll yeah. give you. Um, as a brought forward tax officer, mm. and it's mm-hmm. all it's all really good actually. Yeah. I mean, that was the one thing I discovered. You know, I go on I go on about there's not being stuff for startups in Australia, mm. but the one thing I discovered was this R and D tax incentive, yeah. which if which is self 
um, regulated. So you've got to do it properly, right? Yeah. Because you, the last thing you want to do is go claim a whole lot of stuff you're not entitled to. And then pay to have And then have them knock, that'll just knock you out. Yeah. Right? But if you do it properly, yep. it can be the difference between success and, and failure mm. at the early stages mm-hmm. of, a, of an innovative business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, and what do you see in terms of say all, say the, or say all three businesses that you run, mm. um, the the role of relationships, um, both uh, both within the organisation um, and and ex- and and with your clients. Yeah, well, it's, it's a well, it's a massive topic, but I think <laughs> I think um, I think uh, you know in a professional services environment, so two out of three are real professional services, and even the third one, mm-hmm. the tech companies, is about making that relationship more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, getting getting ex- access for startups to mm-hmm. the same sort of lawyering we give to larger businesses, yep. so SMEs and, and, mm-hmm. and blue chip multinationals through the legal firm. Um, it's all about relationships, right? Mm-hmm. All of the work that we've done since we arrived. And, and so that was why I struggled when I got back to Australia yeah. because in, in the UK, mm-hmm. I'd been there for um, eight years at that stage, mm-hmm. or 12 on and off. Yeah. Um, so I had networks, even though I was, I was a lot younger, I had mm-hmm. I knew people I, and, mm-hmm. and we had work coming in and it's a larger economy, so we yep. had lots of easy... Coming to Australia, I always say this. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I've been in Australia, I sort of I sort of go between Melbourne and London, pretty much. It's my bouncing yeah. thing. Um, in London, I earned more money more easily. Mm-hmm. In Australia, I learned a lot more because it was harder. Mm. Right? So I, I sort of upskilled, and 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 part of that is having mm-hmm. is actually having to create relationships. So in London, I didn't have to. You're mm-hmm. an in-house counsel. You just get work from the business. Yeah. Um, so we don't we don't know naturally how to sell stuff. Yeah. And, and law is hard to sell, right? Nobody mm. actually really wants it. Mm-hmm. They just know they might need it. Need it. Yeah. It's like insurance, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, I don't really want to pay for it, but I probably yeah. should. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. the time that you actually do need it, it's great. But then the other times when you don't need it, you're yeah. like, why am I? Why am well, I most of the this? time you don't need it. Yeah. Right? And and people can get away in the in the legal system yeah. by by having a really shoddy agreement with someone. Mm. And it never gets tested, and they Until and everyone's happy. And then, yeah, it's only when something goes wrong that you, you go, oh, I wish I'd got a lawyer involved. Yeah, this is really expensive now. It, yeah, so it's a hard thing to sell for a start. Mm. Much harder than the R and D tax incentive, mm. which is getting money back. So yeah. that's, that's interesting doing those two comparisons yep. in terms of business. But but I think that building those relationships in Australia mm. and how much time it takes, mm-hmm. and how much it becomes all about you, and then you know when you as you grow a business, mm-hmm. you have to hand those relationships over, otherwise. It, Otherwise, you haven't really got a business. You know, you've yeah. bought yourself a job, and you have to be involved in all yeah, the relationships. Exactly. So yeah. you have to be able to bring those relationships on to a team rather yep. than just being about you and the. Mm. And the but um, yeah, it's all about that. And, and yeah. I think I think we've actually even learned more recently, even technically, when you when you're hiring people, mm-hmm. you want to hire people that will fit into the your, the culture of your organisation. Mm-hmm. And that's actually more important than their technical skills. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Even something specialised like l- lawyering or R&D tax, because mm-hmm. it can, as much as lawyers like to think that they're really smart and clever, mm-hmm. you can actually learn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people can learn it. Yeah. I mean, some people will never learn it, but, yeah. but, but you can't a teach lot of pe- people can. Yeah, but you can't teach personality, right? Yeah, and you can't teach cultural fit. And people yeah. either fit or they or they don't. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they either want to be there or they don't. Yeah, and definitely. They want to work in that way. And yep. um, we're very much about flexibility mm-hmm. and, and changing because law as a especially commercial law and I'm mm-hmm. not speaking for all aspects of law because it's yep. a broad thing yeah. I don't know much about criminal law yep. I managed to avoid that thankfully both personally and professionally <laughs> um, good thing <laughs> and uh, I've, I've touched with 
family law because I yep. got divorced. So mm-hmm. I saw I had a sort of a window into that, and yep. that was intriguing. Yeah. Um, but I'm a commercial legal animal, yeah. and in our industry, um, people uh, take it as a badge of honour to be worked to death. Mm. Right. So yeah, you might earn a you know a top tier lawyer mm-hmm. partner might earn a million plus, mm-hmm. but they'll work ninety hours a week. Right. So you get mm. your, your pound of flesh. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to flip around about yep. that was actually we don't have to work like that. Mm. Oh, you, can, you don't have to actually. Have, you, you, some people don't want a million quid mm. for that. that. That's the the trade off's not the same, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, we pay market salaries, but yep. we don't pay. We don't necessarily give that you know that carrot up the top of mm. the the hill mm. is not necessarily as big, or it might be, but we haven't got there yet in yeah. terms of, of that stuff. And um, we're more interested in 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 actually what lawyers have talked about a long time having a work life balance. Mm. So they they. Pay a lot of lip service to that. Yeah, they do. But it doesn't actually. That doesn't really happen. Do it. Right? Like, they don't um, actually do it. And there's a real um, mental health problem in the legal profession yeah. as a result of that. Yeah, and I think it's all uh, the other areas, other areas of their their worlds fall apart. Mm. So their career might be great, yep. but their their relationships, their health, um, just general well being, and as you said, mental health just goes away. And it's, I think it's that that trade off of what is really important. Like mm. what's more, what's what's more money. When is enough enough? And what's more money really going to get you? It's not going to get you time with your kids again mm. that you miss their miss their games or whatever. And it's it's why do you think? So I don't think um, just in general society as a whole has come across to that. Why do you think busy is sexy? Like I'm not I'm a firm believer that you can have it, have your cake and eat it, right? Mm. And go mm. you can. You can really you can be a high performer, mm. and you can have a family and a life, mm. and you can be a good friend, and you can be healthy, yep. right? Like it takes work to do that, mm. but you don't need to be doing ninety to hundred hours, right? You can yep. do. Let's find out what your genius is and work efficiently and do that really well, and mm. then make time for those things. Yep. Why do you think still today the busy is sexy? It's that badge of honor. It's that oh, how was your day today? Oh, flat chat, and that's supposed to be good. It's not like, oh, I was really productive. Yeah. And no one really says, oh, how was your day? Oh, yeah, it was productive. Yeah. It was great, but I only worked one hour today. I figured out that I hit a pipe just in the right place. It took me five minutes, and they paid me 10 grand. Yeah, you know, that, yeah <laughs> that right. Anecdote. But, yeah, no, I think it's um, – I think it, it, you know, I can only – I mean, I can speak for you know, over my lifetime watching, mm. you know, because um, I think it's – I actually think that there's a few things at play. I think that we had – you know, you, you had that um, that – um, sort of masters of the universe, you know. You make a whole lot of money, therefore you are very successful, mm. right? And it's and it's all based on your on your wealth, right? Mm. Uh, and and a lot of people view that you know you work hard, you get wealthy. It's a very linear kind of mm-hmm. kind of relationship, and especially in professional services, um, that that might be very true because you you bill for your time, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. the more time you spend working, the more yep. money you make, the more value you have, and and we actually have to. And as in, as in-house lawyers, you have to almost deprogram that out of lawyers because they create these information silos uh, and they grab all the work yep. and they stay there and they don't have to anymore, right? Yeah. The reason they go in-house is to stop the timekeeping yeah. and actually provide commercial advice to the business. And, and actually, the, the big advantage of it is that they, they, can, they can actually help the business to earn money yeah. right, rather than just reacting to the business's problems mm. because they can take a commercial approach to the yeah, legal yeah, issues yeah. and the risk. They're not, uh, they're not watching the clock, right? Yeah, and so they, they, but they still have this value attached to time mm. because I had a budget in my law firm and I had to meet that budget. And mm-hmm. therefore, 
I've got to work this much. Yeah. And it's actually it's actually it's a problem. Yeah. For, in an in-house team, you've, yeah. you've got to say, well, actually, no, you've got to share your work with people because mm-hmm. everybody needs to be across it, and we need to know what's going on. And, yeah. And, and we don't want you to kill yourself. That's not why you're here. No. Yeah. Um, we can still pay you good yeah. amounts of money. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't get that, and I think that that's the. I think the other thing that that is, is to blame is that mm-hmm. you know, partners in the seventies and eighties mm. did not build the hours that they build now. There was no demand <laughs> from it. What's what's happened is technology has accelerated our mm-hmm. ability to to, to build. be productive and build. Yeah, uh, and 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 the immediate immediate nature of communications now mm. means that you can you can start all night sending emails. And mm. we have a we have we've decided we've got a policy now that we yeah. don't send emails out. So we use the scheduled send. Yeah. Um, functionality, unless someone really says to you, "Look, I'd like you to send it to me out of hours." Yeah, um, we respect the recipient, mm. if you like, by yeah. saying, "Well, we're not going to send you stuff." Yeah. Um, and one of my lawyers was ta- talking about how um, there was an American woman who went to France who mm-hmm. who sent text messages and, and emails at ten o'clock to her team, and yeah. they and she was reported to HR. Yeah, yeah. Um, not because they want to get into trouble. It's just like, hey, but, but, switch off, but, right? Yeah, but because yeah, she did, they thought that maybe she should get a hobby. She should be doing something else yeah, after. Yeah. That's the French approach to it. Yep. So it's nice that there's cultural differences in Europe yep. and stuff about that stuff. But it's, um, I really think it's 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 crazy. Yeah. To 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 value yourself on on how much work mm. you can do because mm-hmm. work and life are the same thing. Yeah. And you spend are. most of your time at work, even if you don't work ninety hours. Yeah. Right? So, creating an environment that allows those two things to I'll use the word symbiotic. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know, but to, to, to yeah, definitely to, to fit together, mm. you know, and um, you can't keep the two separate. People go, oh, no. "I'll keep my life separate." I think, like, no, they, it bleeds in. You're having some mm. shitty stuff at at home. Mm. It's going to come into your work. Like, I don't care how good you are. Yeah, it's going to come in eventually. You might mask it for a day or two, a month, but it's going to come in. And it's funny because when you sent um, last time we caught up, you told mm. me about that policy. I went to send you an email after hours, and I did it. Yeah. I was like, oh, nah, nah, you know what? And I was like, because it was a thought I had. I was like, you know what? I'll just type it, and you know what? I'm going to send it in the morning. Mm. Like, I'm not going to send it to you after hours because it was like, interesting when you said, like, sometimes that expectation is, will they reply? Yep. Um, and I actually said to our, our team, I think the week after or something, I go, hey, whatever I send to you guys after hours, it's not an expectation mm. to you to reply. It's me getting it off my head. It's me going, uh, I might forget about tomorrow. I've got it. Do yep. not Whatever you do, do not reply. And always now the subject line, if I ever have to send something after, is this, do not read till tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's, it's interesting because you say it's uh, you set that expectation, which is really interesting where you go, oh, reply, but you're like, hold on, if you're not explicit about, hey, mm. don't don't reply or just don't send it at all, yep. um, it is unclear. There's also, I've had conversations about this because I think this is really interesting. I've had conversations, like I started this with... Um, in London, actually, mm. I was talking about this with my business partner there, and he was like, oh, no, but I, we need to be available. So he still had that, like, I want to be available to my clients. And we, and we did have some time zone mm. things. But time zone things are different, right? It's not, it's not, it's their working day. Yeah. And I actually think it needs to come from a respect for the recipient. Mm. And, you know, um, we've had, I've had conversations with team members who said, well, you know, but I don't expect people to reply to me. Mm. But mm. I, like you did, I mean, mm. you make it explicit then. Really, yeah. Or, or sched- schedule send or, or say, I hope I don't mind you. You know, you don't have to respond to this. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind me sending you stuff out after inbox? Because, you know, I'll be sitting and I have notification. I mean, I get stuff mm. and I can't help myself. This is the problem. Yeah, right? it's, not, right. it's not. It's not about me going. I oh, know that person doesn't want me to respond to them. Yeah, I'll read it anyway. You got an urge to because I just go. Oh, what do they want? I must read it now. <laughs> and and 
So it's about, about my, a lot of it's about my lack of control, right? I've got to, <laughs> I've got to get better at that. But but I but I like the idea of of having that respect for people's mm. um, personal time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And saying, well, actually, you know, and and some people want to receive stuff. So like we've got lawyers who say, oh, like because we're so flexible in our work, mm. some of them during the day don't work; they do other stuff. Yeah, and then they work late at night, yeah. and they're like, well, actually, I prefer to receive that email so yep. I can actually. Look at it. Look and it's at not it. put off during the day, yeah. but you know you can have those arrangements around it. But if you have this, but you need to be clear about it, right? Yeah. You can't. You can't assume. And it's this, this kind of stuff that yeah. I think we need to get better at to <laughs> to stop that sort of like I work all the time and it's really good. Yeah. I think well, it's a real. Um, I also think it's it's kind of a um, patriarchal kind of yeah. thing. You know, the man is strong and work all the time, yeah, and, and, and women have been dragged into that in the legal yeah. profession. Yeah, and there's I think there's a difference on um, being available. And not responding, right? Like so, um, I won't personally. I won't check my emails um, after hours unless I'm working on something. But I am available. But like so, if my phone rings, so anyone of our team knows or a client knows, if it's available, call me. Yeah. But I'm not going to respond to your email. But if it's urgent, call me. I'm like, don't expect a reply to an email late at night. But hmm. like, if it, if you're calling me, I, it's obviously you need me. Right, so, so I'll answer it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that, there's a difference between those methods of communication, mm. right? And the other thing is about, I think, if you respond all the time to stuff, mm. that it gives your um, client from uh, a, a, an idea that you might be slightly out of control, mm. right? Mm-hmm. If they send you something and yeah. you immediately respond at three in the morning, yeah. uh, it's not always a good look. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got to think about, they go, oh, this person. And then, and then maybe it creates an expectation mm. on the other side of that, yeah. that, they, that, that you will respond all the time. Yeah. And so... I think having that control mm-hmm. and saying, well, yeah, you'll get my response. Yeah. Nothing we do in the commercial law sphere, mm-hmm. very little of it, mm-hmm. needs an immediate response. No. Right? You can yeah. wait till at least the next day, right? Like, it's yeah. fine. Well, yeah. yeah. Think about when we used to send letters. The world did not stop. Yeah. No, it just and, kept you know, going. They had, to, you know, they had to get across yeah. the other side of the world or whatever. Do you think last year when people had to work from home a lot it blurred this line of i could work all the time mm. because they sometimes like there's there's no clear like i'm in the office and even now right when people are potentially home is that is there less of a line like at least there used to be i'm in the office and i'll work but now that say if you're working from home is that is that line blurred as a whole not just for you like your business but as a whole what do you think yeah, I, th- I think it is. I mean, I, I've I've actually been a long sort of proponent of of working from home. Yeah. You know, in the early stages yep. when we first set the business up, mm. I used to sit at home, and and so I've sort of been through this before COVID. Yeah, where where all I did was work from home. Mm. And I'd find myself in my dressing gown at like mm. two in the afternoon. Yeah, I'd forgotten to get dressed. Yeah, uh, and then I saw. I thought I I realised that that was not cool. Right, <laughs> so. <laughs> so I decided I'd get up with my my wife at the time yeah. and walk her to work and yeah. then have a start a day. And yeah, that worked a bit. Yeah, but you still didn't have any any separation between mm. the two things. And and I would get um, I would finish stuff a lot faster because you got that concentration mm-hmm. stuff and there's no meetings and distractions. Yeah. But yeah. but then I'd leave me left for half the game. I'd just sit there in front of the computer mm-hmm. and because I felt like I should be working mm. rather than going and doing, you know, at work you would mm-hmm. you, you'd be walking, you'd be exercising, yeah, you'd be doing, doing other stuff. things and. So that became unhealthy. Then we got yeah. offices. So you yep. get through the whole thing, and then we had you know, offices and 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 flexibility to yep. go in when you wanted to, yep. and that worked a bit better. But then we were never in the office because yeah. we realised being at clients was better. And yep. so we've and that's when I ended up in co-working. Mm. You know, when I came back to Australia, it was a similar sort of time. Mm. And so all of that stuff, and that's why I quite like you know Hub Australia's mm-hmm. watching them 
navigate. Because when you think about it, that that work environment is um, what they're doing is just a, a a reinvention of your Regis office space, mm. which was really horrible. Really, yeah. I mean, Regis stuff was not nice. They had yeah. little partition walls. They yeah. charged you. I don't know, four hundred dollars for each sheet of photocopying you did, but you know it was quite cheap up front. But then you got stuck yeah. with everything. It was like the Ryanair model. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, but they've just taken that and they've just reinvented it yeah. into a into a really nice environment to work yep. in. And they, you know, it's called co-working. Mm-hmm. But that's you know, like all of these things, yep. they're just iterations of the same thing yeah. for the new generation. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really nice to watch that and, and creating these great, really nice spaces where you can where you can work that are kind of an extension of your Home mm. and work environment, mm-hmm. which is which is, I think that's where we have to go. I think it has to be about output rather than mm. you know, time and bums on seats. You know, yep. some jobs you have to be yeah. in an office, but yep. um, other jobs you don't necessarily. So yeah. you should be able to. How work would you? Um, how would you? What would you think the uh, to educate a consumer? Right. So consumer mm. mentality is also ours, right? Like so, but then if you charge for an output. And then say, oh, look, I'll get your outcome for ten thousand mm. dollars, right? And mm. but this person's going to go, I'll get your uh, outcome for six thousand dollars, but I'm going to spend thirty hours on it. And this person's like, oh, I only need an hour, I'll, I'll, but I'll do it in. Um, how do you? How, how do you? How do we go about re-educating the consumer? Because the consumers also <laughs> thinks, hey, look, more hours is is more. Uh, but then it's like, well, hold on, if you're only going to do this in half the time, mm. why are you double the price? Oh look, it's it's the it's a massive issue in the in the legal fraternity at the <laughs> moment because everyone wants to do value pricing and um and they say they do well fix fix value yeah, fix pricing, pricing. yeah look to be honest with you completely honest mm-hmm. I've railed against um, timekeeping because yep. I come from that in house environment yeah I wanted to do fixed fees yep. um, if I had charged for every hour of work I'd done yeah um, I would have made a lot more money in the yeah. last ten years yeah yeah uh, as a business but I I thought that well, the reason I did that, right, the reason mm-hmm. I gave up that extra profit mm. is because I didn't want to end up just like a traditional law firm because mm. the model works, right? You mm. will, you will, as a, as a commercial organisation, make profit yeah. because you charge your lawyers, you pay them this much and you charge them out for that much. Yep. It's very simple. Yeah, if you don't make money doing that, then, you know, you should be doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but, and it's very tempting to just fall back into that. So you, and, mm. and that's because also it's, it's the status quo, and mm-hmm. you're right, consumers demand it, mm. right? So, so they'll say, you know, well, I used to get things like, oh, I'll give you a fixed fee, and they said, oh, yeah, but if you do it faster, will you then give us a discount? So they wanted the cap, but they also wanted the, uh, the, 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 to get the benefit of us, mm. of us being efficient. Yeah. And that's the whole problem with charging for time, right? Yeah. There's no incentive to be efficient. There's no, nothing. Absolutely none. Yeah. Um, so once you get the consumer's head around that, so it's a long, slow thing. So yep. it's been a, it's been like, a, we've, been fight, we've been fighting the yeah. good fight, if you like, for this for over a period of time. But it's yep. about changing the, the reason I wanted to do it was because mm-hmm. I wanted to change the way lawyers work with mm-hmm. their clients. So it was mm-hmm. more certainty from the client's perspective. And, and, and so there's going to be an outcome, yeah, right? And yeah. less, less, less of the same sort of factory f- for the lawyers. So that yep. the lawyer, we can charge them. If we get more efficient, mm-hmm. We can make that fix be more profitable than an hourly rate. Yeah, awesome. Right, and yeah. so that's what we want to yep. do, uh, yeah. and it's not easy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. So you know, ten years in, and I think we're we're getting, we're we're there in terms yeah. of profitability, but yep. we but we're still there's a long way to go in terms of getting systems in place where it yeah. makes things more efficient. Yeah, and education of, of customers. Mm-hmm. 
because this whole argument, right, about about value pricing and, mm. and and stuff is goes back to you know, in, before we started charging for time, mm-hmm. lawyers used to do things like eyeball a file and say it's going to be about this much, mm. which is fixed fee pricing. Right? Mm. Yeah, that's what we used to do. So we're yeah. not, it's nothing new. Nah, it's nothing new. Uh, yeah. Or you know, they charge by the word at one stage, which is probably worse than <laughs> yeah. worse than charging time. by time. Yeah. Um, or there was a scale of fees from your local local um, mm. regulator or your local mm-hmm. um, law society. Yeah. Uh, and, and at some stages, mm. if you charge less than that, they mm. would strike you off. Mm. So they had fight, price fixing in the legal yeah. fraternity. And so when America became, um, and this is paraphrasing mm. a whole lot of stuff, right? yeah. there's more to it than this, but but um, when America went through the corporate industrial sort of expansion where mm-hmm. everybody merged and made big corporate firms, yeah. so they started demanding um, knowing what things, the value of things, mm. and the accountants came up with this. So you got to blame the accountants for this. <laughs> Perfect. Um, lawyers love to blame the accountants. It's <laughs> um, only because we can't count, right? Yeah, yeah, it's easy. Um, but, uh, uh, so they came up with this, like, you know, this, yeah. you know how about a, a segment of time? Yeah. So that, that you can charge on that basis. Mm. And that's how it started. And then, of course, in those days, we didn't yeah. have the technology to drive up these things. Where, yeah. you know, some big law firms now make their lawyers charge eight yeah. plus hours a day mm. to meet budget, which yeah. is not possible. Yeah. So they lie and they scrape yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, right. Or yeah. <laughs> well, they work themselves to death. Yeah, right, exactly. So um, so that's where it came from. Mm. And all we're doing is winding it back to the eyeballing, but actually giving them some evidence of the value rather mm-hmm. than, you know, so it's a, it becomes market priced. Yeah. And, and that way, I, I think, you know, you're more, you're, you're incentivized to become more efficient mm-hmm. in how you do things. Yeah. So you're not, you're not going to give them, you're going to try, try and sell them more advice. So I actually no. think there's a tension between client and, and uh, lawyer there because you know the, the lawyer's got an, uh, an obligation to work in the best interest of the client, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they've also got this competing obligation to meet budget at their firm. Mm, yeah, definitely. Right. Yep. So it, those these things don't necessarily always align. Yeah, and that's oh, a very ugly hard. topic. And, and, and yep. most of my colleagues or my you know my learned friends yep. in the profession, uh, a lot of them would would find that very distasteful and, mm. and, and say that um, of course we don't charge people more. Of we only we give them the advice. That they need, yeah. But then um, you'll find. I think if you're, if we're talking about opportunity, looking. If you're yeah. always, if you, that's in your subconscious, you're gonna look for it and you go, "Hey, look, you've got me on this." But by the way, you probably need A, B, and C, even though they haven't really explicitly asked for it. And then you get to your budget potentially. Right? I see that happening all the time. But it's also said in a way of going, "Yes, it's is it is it sales? Yes, is it?" But it's also that there's that it's a line of going. You don't really need that right now. Yeah, but well, I, mean, I think it's a self-justification because being mm-hmm. an in-house lawyer, you don't have the ability to do that. Right? No, you, you just, just do it your anyway. Your problem is the amount of work you do. Yeah. Not not getting work in no. or meeting budget. Yeah. So you're trying to squeeze all of this work that, and, the, and the business will give you as much as they can yep. because they love it when the lawyer has had a look at it. Right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Can you do this for me? Yeah. And, and so a lot of the time you get you, you spend pushing back on that stuff mm. and saying, um, no, this is your job. Yeah, I'm not going to do that for you. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, and, and but some lawyers yep. who come out like we, we circle back to that conversation mm-hmm. about value, will accept that work that's not really their job mm. because the more work they have, the more value they have. Yeah. Even so they kill themselves for a fixed fee salary and yeah. you go well, you know, you've got to change this. It's not working for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Joel, we're going to um, wrap up here. And what's um, one thing that you can um, leave our listeners with in terms of Something that you've learned, right? So uh, it's all about like we're lifelong learners, right? And either mm. from mm. coming here and realizing that um, relationships is key, and you can't go, you know what, as as a non in house counsel, hey, where's the work? To uh, creating this balance and harmony of going, hold on, it's not about doing ninety hours 
a week. And like, there's more life to that, um, to the value proposition, right? Yep. What's um, what's kind of your, like your your bumper sticker, so to speak, that you like to leave listeners on? Well, the, the, from that perspective, from the relationships and all, all of that, I think I think you got to understand that it's really hard to change the way think people do things. Mm. Um, so if you if you really are committed to to making people's lives better, mm. uh, in, in your business, or then you've got to do the hard yards, and it might not be as profitable. Mm. You've got to actually make the change, um, mm. and change makers never make a lot of money, but eventually they might, right? If mm. you're if you're first cab off the rank, you can you could be the one that does. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a uh, as a lifelong learner thing, one of the things that's really occurred to me recently that I want to get in there is that um, when you, um, what I found is that in doing that, often I've given people too much support um, in what they do, mm-hmm. um, and and not not let them learn by their own mistakes. And and the big thing that's really occurred to me lately is mm-hmm. you know, I, I was like, oh, because we used to get no support in law firms, and it was really hard. And no instructions from people, and you know, you're like, oh, how am I, you know, we used to moan as junior lawyers about this. Um, so, well, I've overcompensated, so I, I would give people all of the support, yeah. uh, and then I realised that actually they're, they're not learning as much, yeah. right? Because they haven't had to worry about the issues or yep. try and investigate and figure things out. So, yeah. you start to create people who don't have those skills. So, mm. there's always a balance to be had, mm-hmm. and I think you always learn these things, but often from experience. Yeah. So, yeah. with developing people. Mm-hmm. Our relationships. I've now started to pull back a bit and say, "Well, actually, you need to investigate this stuff yeah. yourself in yep. order to learn it." And that's the that's the biggest thing I've learned this year. Really. Yeah, awesome. Uh, reflecting back on some of my relationships that have gone badly, yep. it's probably because I've provided too much support. Yeah, well, yeah, it's that fine line, isn't mm. it? It's like too much or too little, and it's just you got to kind of find that fine line. Yeah. So yeah. that's my bumper sticker. Yeah, awesome, awesome, yeah. Joel. Thanks again for um, joining us. And Joel, where can uh, people find you? Or if they are interested in your services, what's the best? And we'll put it in the show notes, but where can they find you? Oh, look, it's um, you can find me in lots of different places, actually. <laughs> um, the so best point just to the Clearpoint Enterprises. Yeah, clearpoint.enterprises. Yep. We've got these funky new domain names. Nice. Clearpoint.legal, clearpoint.ventures. Yeah. Nice. Um, or even mode.law, which is yep. our tech thing. So, yeah, any of I mean, they're very easy. Just yeah. put the name together with a dot in between. Easy, easy. But no, thanks again for uh, your time and appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, James. See you guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Lifelong Learner. If you liked our episode and what you heard, please leave us a review on uh, the platform that you've been listening on. And to find out more about us, please tune in to lifelonglearnerpodcast.com and you can find out some updates about what's happening and get updates on as episodes drop. Thanks again.